Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Our test is in the stands! But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Points in the Paint Podcast Playoff Edition. The playoffs are finally here. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And I am Zach Badger House in the house. And we appreciate everyone for subscribing, rating, reviewing the best time of the year for this podcast with the NBA playoffs about to get underway. We've got the playing games going. We've got the normal seeds pretty much set up for the most part. So we've got everything going on. We've got Ben Heisler coming on the show as well later on to talk everything betting and every play you want to make betting the NBA playoffs, betting the NBA playing game. So we'll have you set for that. We'll try to make you some money for that. But Zach, we've got our playing games. We do. We absolutely do. The first top six are squared away. We all know who's going to be in the standings as far as one through six. But what's interesting now, because of the new rules and the new way the new season is set up right now, that seven through ten is what's really yeah. buzzing right now. <laughs> really excited for that. So our top story tonight. In the East, the ten and the nine seed, the Hornets are the ten, the Pacers are the nine. They're playing each other. Wizards, Celtics in the eight seven game. In the West, you've got the Spurs and the Grizzlies for the ten nine game. And then the Warriors and the Lakers in the eight seven game. In the West, you're giving me that look because that is the game of the week. So we'll get to that. Well, we can get to that in just a second because that is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, and I know you put season overview, too, of stuff we need to talk about because, I mean, we talked about it a bit last week about how crazy this season has been for everyone, ourselves yeah. included, and following and players being out with COVID and games getting canceled early on. Yeah. But it's come to a pretty smooth ending. We're, we're seeing fans back in the arenas. I just went to the Bulls game last week, and that was a lot of fun. Um, it was fun to finally see an NBA game in person for the first time, and I think it was 18 months uh, for me personally. So that was a lot of fun to be back in the arena okay. and to see okay. fans back in the arena. So things are getting feeling back to normal. I'm excited to see what the fans come in for these playoff games and these playing games because it's going to be electric to see that and to see the energy there. But for the season as a whole, pretty successful for, for playing in a pandemic. Yeah, I think overall, when you look at the dynamic of the season and what transpired with, like you said, like COVID and then guys being out, then there's like the the inside of the NBA, right? So like the trading that took place, uh, coaches 
uh, getting fired, getting hired. You know, you have all that transpire. And then you got the glorious aspect of the season, right? Records being broken, you know, Russell Westbrook, uh, Steph being over 33 and becoming a scoring champ of the league. Second time that's ever happened since MJ. So there were some, you know, there were some interesting things that also transpired throughout the association. But this is what I want to ask you in regards to the overview of the league as a whole. How do you feel based upon, you know, just the overall viewership of the NBA? How do you feel it went as far as the, for the viewer? You think it went well for the viewer? I think so. I, I think the fact that the announcers, too, were not in the game, not in the arena, I think that hurt it a little bit, at least in the beginning, because we would see these huge shots and the announcers would be, you know, a second or two behind the call, which... <laughs> You know, kind of took you out of the moment a little bit for something like that. And it got better and better as the season went on. I think that gap closed a little bit. And the home announcers uh, for the home teams were, were in the arena. So that helped a bit as well if you were watching on Game Pass. But I think all in all, the, the product was still pretty good. And we saw a lot of really fun games. And, and for the most part, the players were were not resting as much as I think people probably expected. And we didn't see a ton of people out for a long extended times with COVID um, and the playoff races ended up being really exciting with these yes. playing games and, yes. and teams not tanking where they may have been tanking in certain situations in years past. So overall, I, I think for what we were expecting going into this season with the uncertainty and not knowing if the, the rest of the season may get canceled, if there was a huge COVID outbreak, I thought it was a, a really good product that people ended up being able to see. Depending on which kind of fan you are of which teams, right? You know, if sure. you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan and you saw what <laughs> happened last year and then you see what happens this year, you're probably not too happy. Then you see, like, the Orlando Magic in a the direction they, they're continuing to go backwards, right? So it just depends on which team you're rooting for. San Antonio Spurs fans, I know they're probably don't know what's going to transpire with their play-in scenario, but for them to be on the edge of being in the playoffs when they've made it 20 straight years and now yeah. they may have an opportunity to miss it for the second straight season you know it just like i said it just depends on what which fan of which team you really are of you know then you got the bulls i know how you feel about the bulls you say you went to a game that's pretty cool i he, did he, he didn't even tell me people hey, he didn't even tell me he didn't tell me you went to a game Look hey i tweet I, I tweeted it out on twitter so you're just <laughs> uh, you're not looking at my tweets i guess is what, is what that means <laughs> And I, that was one of the first Bulls games I've ever been to where I was uh, kind of hoping that they would lose the game to help them get a better draft position. But uh, you and they sucks, did not. Man. You and yeah. oh, Jalen sucks. Yeah, I want him so badly for the Bulls. And then they ended up winning the game the last season of the game against yep. the Bucks that they were supposed to lose. Yep. Oh, it's just it's a mess. The team the is Bucks a mess didn't, now. The Bucks didn't play their starters, and they, you know, nope. surprisingly enough, and they still lost. And the Bulls were still too good. To beat the to beat the Bucks, so it's I think it's been a fun season for most teams fans. I really do. Um, and there have been teams, you know, like the Celtics or the Wizards, um, yeah. that have been affected by COVID, and especially early on with the Wizards, they were struggling with with COVID and players being in and out. And we've heard Jason Tatum talk about his issues with COVID and his breathing issues and how he has had games where he has struggled because of that. So there have been specific teams, at least early on in the season, that were struggling because of players being in and out with COVID, but. Again, towards the end of that season, and I think it helps that a lot of the players have been vaccinated, it, it, the spread of COVID has not really been affecting the NBA too much. I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, these predictions yeah. between these teams, right? The Hornets and the Pacers. Then you said, like you said, the Wizards and the Celtics. Now, minus one and a half, 
in favor of who? So for that Wizard Celtics game, the Celtics are favored minus how? one and a half. I, uh, I, what? I, how how is that? Now I see you sit there and you laugh, but how is that? They have not played very well second half. Either they play good in the first half and they tank in the second half, or they tank in the first half and try to come back in the in the second half of the game. And it's yeah. tough because it's like you see the Miami game in their last outing. And they were down by as many as 21 points at one point, the Boston Celtics. And they try to rally and they end up losing by four. But it's just like those instances between, you know, the Celtics and whether you're Tatum or whether you're the head coach Brad Stevens or whether you're Kemba Walker, you just can't have that as, you know, the leaders of the team, right? You just can't have those type of downsides, whether you got to struggle to come back or you're blowing a lead if you have it in the beginning of the game. Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure why the Celtics are the favorite team. Favorite. And I know Bradley Beal's injury, I think, has scared a lot of people. Okay. But what I do know, Zach, is that the Pacers, I think, or the, the excuse me, the Celtics, I think the line opened up at, I want to say, minus three for the Celtics. Um, and I want to make sure I'm correct about that. But I think it started at minus three and then and it's trending down and it's trending down. So actually, it started at minus one and a half for Boston okay. and it's trending. It's trending up for Boston. They're now at minus two, minus two and a half at some sports books that I'm seeing. So people are wow. people are really liking the Celtics right now. And I know you're you're going to be betting the opposite. It seems like um, I would if I would definitely bet the opposite. I would definitely bet all in. On the Washington Wizards. Granted, I understand, you know, Bradley Bill, he did struggle in that last game, which is probably why he didn't win the the scoring title. Yep. You know, he, he only was like five for 22 in the, in the game. He did have over 20 points, but he struggled. But uh, Russell Westbrook kind of picked it up for them. And so I think Russell Westbrook is going to have to continue to do that in order for them to win against the Boston Celtics. Now, I will say this. They have Ish Smith. He's kind of rolling. Uh, Rui Hashimura, you know, that was our guy in the beginning. Like He's playing pretty decent as of yeah. late, especially in terms of, like, player props. You know, 15 plus points, eight rebounds on the same game. I think that'll, that'll cash you in. I'm, I'm yeah. telling you, that, that'll cash you in. That'll help you depending yeah. on how many how many selections that you choose from. And so, you know, when I see the Washington Wizards going up against the Boston Celtics team without a Jalen Brown and a struggling Kimball Walker – you have to put it all probably on Tatum to get the job done because we don't know the circumstances with Marcus Smart either. Yep. I think I would have to go with Washington, you know, in that game. I think I would have to. Yeah, it's the thing is, is with both of these teams, too, which makes it so hard to bet and to predict. You yeah. do not know which of these teams is going to show up because we have seen the Celtics look incredible and we have seen Jason Tatum go off and look like, yep. you know, the next LeBron type of player. But then we've seen them play where they look like they are a G League team. They don't look <laughs> like they could score a basket or play defense to save their lives. And you could say the same about the Wizards. Same exact mm -hmm. thing about the Wizards. So who knows which team we're going to see show up for them on that game. But I do know the winner or the the loser of this game plays the Pacers and the Hornets. And I would take whoever loses that game over the Pacers or the Hornets with the way those two teams are playing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I would agree. Do you have a, a good Hornets Pacers prediction? Because that's going to be a cluster of a game. Who, who knows the way that game is going to end up? It just all really, I think it all depends on how Karis LeVert plays. You know, if he comes out and he's a 25, he comes out, gets 25 plus points, and he's getting guys involved in terms of like six or seven, eight or six assists, and then you got a TJ, dude. 
Okay, hold on one second. <laughs> what is up with TJ McConnell? Oh, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> and, know. Like these random like stat lines that he has. I think oh, yeah. then he almost break like the Steelers record or something early on this season. Then he just had like seven. I think he had like 17 assists the other day or like 12. He had a lot of assists coming off the bench. Like the the, the production the Pacers get from TJ McConnell. <laughs> T.J. McConnell. Yeah, I can I can imagine that's how you ball. Like you ball like T.J. McConnell. <laughs> that's but fair. I don't know if to take that as an insult or not because I am not a big T.J. McConnell fan. But I think that comes from a good place. He just he just does all the right things at the right time for the Pacers for that second unit. It is just so funny to watch. I'd be looking at the box score throughout the game as I'm watching the games with the Pacers. It's just like, he really does like a lot when he's out there. And so I think he's a good X factor for the team in terms of the second unit against a Hornets team with three guard, three viable guards with Devontae Graham and obviously the mellow ball and Terry Rozier. So, you know, if they can get it going from the perimeter, the Indiana Pacers, I think they got a shot because yeah, we know it, the front court will be there. Cause they're minus three and a half right now. Um, and that's, some some books have them at minus three. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can get Charlotte at plus three and a half, pretty good value, I think. I if, so. you, if you can get them to cover by a three-pointer towards the end of this game, I think you're good. I mean, I, I like the way Charlotte plays, and I know they've been inconsistent, but when they have LaMelo and, like you said, Devontae Graham, I mean, they, they have the tools to be able to knock off a Pacers team, which – they seem to be questioning themselves at points and they're struggling with their head coach, Nate Bjorkin, and, and you just don't know with them. So it could be a really good opportunity for the Hornets to, to make a move and, and get that cover. That's the over. At the over. <laughs> there you go. See, I like the under, but I think the over could be, it's at what, 228? Pacers is like a weird over yeah. team. I don't understand it, but they hit the over for some reason quite often. Spurs Grizzlies, 10-9 matchup in the Western Conference. It is uh, it's very hard to not only bet against, but to predict against Greg Popovich yep. in the playoffs and in a playoff scenario in a win and in scenario two. <laughs> but I think, Zach, I have to go oh. with the Grizzlies. I have to ride with our boy Jaw. I, ha- I love the way Dylan Brooks plays defense, and I know he fouled out against the Warriors. We but his defense is outstanding. I don't think he should have been fouled out in that game, but that's the I'm matter of fact. No, we talked about that already outside of the podcast, but that's neither here or there. I know <laughs> you're very go, upset that him, he going, got fouled out. But going. it's interesting because he does, he does have a high rate of fouling and I'm not sure if that's him or maybe he upset the officials of the NBA for some reason. And he just continues to get called for fouls. But I think that game is going to go the Grizzlies way. And I, and I love the way that the Grizzlies have, have played in some scenarios, and there are situations where they struggle, and, and John Morant struggles to, to be the scoring guy that they need. But the Spurs have been uh, have been disappointing, for sure. And especially without Derek White, they've been uh, a little disappointing, a little lost out there. They've lost by some big margins. So I'm riding with the Grizzlies for this one. I would actually ride with that, too, only because I want that rematch between the Warriors and the Grizzlies again. Yeah. Because I want to I want to see Dylan Brooks go at Steph one more time and I need everyone to actually watch the game and really see how the game unfolds and pans out because yeah, Steph Curry may have had 44 points against the Memphis Grizzlies to secure the eighth spot for the play-in opportunity against the Lakers. However, if you look at the breakdown and the dynamic of the game, 
with Steph Curry struggling in the first half, 13 points, catch fire like Steph usually does in a third quarter stretch. But then for the best defender for the Grizzlies to foul out with seven minutes left, I think you'll be in trouble. Yeah, and that's and that's <laughs> when they lost the game because they were mm-hmm. making a run, and then they they ended possession. up possession. That's mm-hmm. that's how special Dylan Brooks is to that team. So I, I do think the Grizzlies are going to win that one. Spurs are going to have a two-year-in-a-row playoff drought. That's tough. It's a new mm-hmm. age in San Antonio. All right, Warriors-Lakers, prime time, Wednesday night, <laughs> the big game. Adam Silver is loving it. Oh, yeah, oh, I saw that. I saw some memes for that, too. <laughs> I I, saw some, I, did you oh. see any memes for that? I saw some memes for that. I know you did, because I yeah. did, too. <laughs> the memes are great. And, and the memes about Adam Silver going nuts in his office about this game and the NBA loving it. I mean, this yeah. is going to bring in millions and millions of viewers. This is going to be a huge, highly watched game. It's and like it, a finals type game, yeah. Absolutely. And unfortunately, it's not a win in your end type of scenario because the loser does play the uh, the winner of that 10-9 game. So theoretically, and I think the way it is going to happen is I think the Warriors are going to lose this game. I I, okay. I just, them relying on Steph Curry so much and Steph having to score over 40 points against the Grizzlies and having to hit, what was it, eight or nine three-pointers, whatever it was, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. It, it worries me because the team is horrible when he is not playing. He, oh, they, yeah, they, the drop they are off. horrible. And, and the plus minus numbers show that and just the eye test. You can see that they just have no idea how to play mm-hmm. basketball. When Steph is not in the game, and for them to match up against Anthony Davis and LeBron James and, and a, a good defensive team in the Lakers, I think the line is too low. To be honest, I Ooh. mean, I, I think I would take the Lakers up to minus five, minus five and a half before I started hitting the, the Warriors at this point. I think people are just estimating the fact that Steph has been on this incredible run the last like month and a half, and so with him just scoring in bunches and having these performances with. 10 plus threes in a game and, you know, having these, having, you know, this type of just run, really, when you look at it, this type MVP of run, type, yeah. yeah, MVP type of run in this last month or so, you know, that's why I think that's why the line is so close. What did you see it at? I saw it at what, minus five for the, so for the Lakers? It opened actually at, I think, minus seven for the Lakers. Wow. It so it's going down. Seven. So people and are was, kinda... yeah, people hammered the Warriors um, yeah, and it got down to minus four. I think it's a minus four and a half now for the Lakers. So people are kind of starting to bet the Lakers back up. I think it. I think if it gets down to minus four, yeah, you got to hammer the Lakers. You have to. I just mm-hmm. I don't see them winning a close game against Golden State. I think they either get they either blow out Golden State or Golden State wins it. Ooh. To be honest, I, I don't. I just don't see a scenario where the Lakers are close against the Warriors um, because I just see them overpowering them. And if they don't, it's going to be Golden State at this point. You know, I was thinking that too from a front court from a front court standpoint. You know, I them having Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis and of course LeBron James rotating in that, you know, that small oh, uh, Warriors team. I don't think it's gonna be in the Warriors' favor unless you get a guy like Steph Curry that's gonna go off or, you know, someone off the bench like a Jordan Poole who may catch fire, who has who's done that, you know, recently in a few games. I know he had yeah. his career high last week with like thirty eight points, Jordan Poole. So you know, it just depends on the outcome. And then that's how people are kind of breaking it down. You know, it's one game, you know, seven or eight, depending on, you know, who wins it. That's how the dynamic and the buildup is for the Warriors and the Lakers. So I think that's why the, the line is so tight right now. But I think the Lakers can ultimately win the game. But if they do lose, they'll still be fine. Because I think yeah. they'll be winning against the 
Yeah, I agree. And and they're in that good position where they can lose and still win the next one and then and then be that A seed and then the Jazz are in trouble because the Jazz <laughs> have to face probably a pretty good Lakers team with the with a fully healthy LeBron and and Anthony Davis. But and, uh, you know, and not to mention Donovan Mitchell hasn't yep. been 100%. Yeah, that's true. That could Listen, if you want to hit the Lakers to win the title at this point, you probably get a decent well, number. Right now it's about plus 250, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, somewhere in there. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. All right, let's go to our interview with Ben Heisler. Talk to him about everything betting. All right, we want to welcome on host, analyst, and editor for SI Gambling, SI Fantasy, Ben Heisler. Ben, appreciate you uh, coming back, being a reoccurring guest, and talking some NBA with us. It is good to be back. Uh, good to see you, Ben. Good to see you, Zach. Like I appreciate you guys having uh, having me back once again. We went from a little preseason starting off the season trying to figure out what the hell we were going to expect and now we get yeah. to do that all over again leading into the postseason so always excited to, to talk some hoops with you guys of course and we do oh, want to congratulate you because we have brought it up in the past couple weeks about our talk preseason with the knicks and we were we were just so fixated on you talking about the knicks being value. we've been and, raving about you man wow. it's, uh, <laughs> it's come out to be such a correct prediction because they not only were they undervalued to start the season but even towards the end of the season those first half knicks games they were still underdogs and people were, were hitting them <laughs> yeah it, it, listen it, it sometimes you, you get something right and uh yeah first half unders on the knicks and also just covering throughout the course of the year that was a very pleasant surprise to be honest with you i kind of thought in the second half of the season even though they were playing well that at some point there might be some fatigue to set in with those guys getting a little bit more minutes a little bit more run than we'd seen in the past but uh they've bought in uh, cities embraced them and uh it's been fun especially for that first half uh before the books and before you know the rest of the public really starting to hop on the knicks bandwagon uh, I, I certainly enjoyed that ride from the beginning part of the season so i i am glad that that something came of use uh, from that <laughs> show before that that felt good yeah, yeah. people made money hopefully yeah. Ooh, everybody. And I, I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. So how'd the, how'd the rest of the season go for you uh, in terms of gambling for the NBA season? Did you find it easier, harder than, than normal? I, I found this to be a little bit more of a challenging year, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I felt like you had a little bit more volatility, especially with more guys sitting out. Uh, from a fantasy level, I actually found it a, a bit more difficult this year, especially if, if you just can't be in front of your phone or in front of your computer, you know, heading into the lineup lock. So I, I just thought there was a little bit more movement this year. You had more teams resting, more guys sort of in and out of the lineup uh, and some trends that you wanted to, to buckle a little bit that never seemed to, to really figure itself out. Like I know that a lot of people got on Utah probably a little bit too late. At one point there was a stretch guys where the jazz, I think had covered 11 straight games, went 19 and one, or maybe 20, one and one against the spread uh, in the early portion of the season. They were covering uh, almost 76% of their games throughout the first 30 games of the season. And you just kept thinking, like, at some point, the odds are going to adjust. At some point, the lines are going to dictate that. And for a while, it just never really did. So yeah, I got on, on some of that jazz bandwagon, but eventually things started to narrow up. But they were on pace for just an absolute record this year uh, and ended up finishing at around 57% against the spread. Still very strong numbers. Uh, when, when taking that into consideration for the best team uh, in the Western Conference. But uh, things just even itself out. And I, I wrote an article maybe um, you know, once all this was going on over at Sports Illustrated, and I was trying to figure out, like, okay, 
if you are a team that's covering at that level or even close to it, you know, what's the expectation that you finish near that level? And I think only four teams since 2014 have covered 60% of their games. So it just doesn't happen often. So if you see that trend early on, you can jump on it. Uh, but fully be aware that you know the odds makers are going to adjust fairly quickly after that. And, and that's what they did against the Jazz. They were very good all season. Um, but just if you kept taking them to kept taking them to win win win, um, you know, you weren't you weren't your return on investment wasn't anywhere near where it was in the early portion of the season. You were a little bit too late. Okay. Did you follow by chance the over under trends throughout the NBA season? And also, did you pay any close attention to what the Phoenix Suns were doing, you know, throughout the course of the season too, as they finished second in the West? I mean, Phoenix was one of those teams early on. Um, and and I, what was interesting, too, is that I feel like it's kind of a Chris Paul effect. Um, I, I knew last yeah. year Oklahoma City was one of those teams that was terrific when it came to both their over percentage and also their cover percentage. And you started to see that uh, play out a little bit more this season. I, I don't have the exact Phoenix numbers in front of me, uh, but I do know they were once again a solid covering team throughout the course of the season. What did you have on them? Well, the Phoenix Suns probably covered what? What would we say, Ben? What at least fifty-seven percent, give or take? Yeah, it was it was pretty high. Um, what they did, I can bring it up in a sec. But they, I mean, they were insane. At, at one point, I think they were they covered like every game that week. They were they went on like a four and zero run, and they were just making moves. And it was, I think, a lot because of Chris Paul and then Devin Booker also coming into his own. Yeah. And I think also too, kind of a little bit with the Knicks, where they looked at the Suns early on and they're like, well. They're the Suns, and they were they haven't been very good for a couple of years and a little undervalued, and I think that that was a little part of it too. So I actually got the numbers in front of me. So the Suns ended up being the number two team against the spread this year. They went 42-28-2 against the spread, covered 60% of the time. The only team better this year, guys, the New York Knickerbockers, 63.4%, 45-26-1 and against the spread. But also about Phoenix, like you said, they covered in their in the overs too. 42-30-0, 58.3% against the spread. Uh, the only team that covered more in overs this year were the Pacers, interestingly enough, uh, and then New Orleans. New and Orleans, I think yeah. that was, I think especially New Orleans was interesting because, um, you know, they were a, a they were a gunning team with Alvin Gentry last year. They went up and down the floor, and then they really started to slow things down a little bit. Their pace really went back to the middle of the field with Stan Van Gundy. So. Um, you know, I think the market kind of overcorrected itself on New Orleans, but uh, certainly fascinating that Phoenix, uh, a team that uh, I, for one, jumped on uh, with a futures ticket. I have them currently at 80 to one to win the NBA finals. And uh, <laughs> I, saw, I saw the lines come out uh, for updated playoff lines uh, right now. I think at most sportsbook, they are 18 to one to win the NBA finals, which is a bit surprising for the number two seed in the West. Uh, which likely tells me that I'm probably going to have to hedge a heck of a lot over the course of this postseason with them. <laughs> let's get, let's get into those uh, playing games too, because we've got some features yeah. that I know you want to talk about and you wrote an article about. So we can get to those in a second. But with the playing games, just as a quick look, because I know the lines have been moving a little bit since they came out. Um, I believe it was you know 12 hours ago, 24 hours ago. Did you see any that that stuck out to you as as maybe being a good one to hit on? Yeah, I, I think the the games that people are certainly I've obviously the the number one that people are going to have their eye on especially is going to be Lakers Golden State and rightfully so and uh, you know I like the Lakers at minus four and a half I, I don't love them but I, I feel like that line is going to move fairly substantially so I wanted to jump on that as earlier as I could 
I think the, the the game that I'm really intrigued by is I really like the Celtics minus two against Washington because the public's all over Washington right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got even some some big money throughout the course of the season uh, when Russ was starting to to get himself figured out. Uh, Beal obviously can can score and, and chop it up with anybody. Uh, but this feels with Boston just really having a down year to be a bit of just a public fade. And I feel like as the public is really just diving into you know, Washington, especially with the role that they've been on and moving out from outside the playoff bubble into the number eight seed, you know, they, whoever wins this game still has an opportunity, or I'm sorry, whoever loses this game uh, still has an opportunity to play one more to make sure that they get in uh, against either the winner of the Indiana Charlotte game. So it's not a, a make or break type game, but I, I just think Boston with all their playoff experience, with their being able to really slow down pace because Washington loves to run. Uh, I just think Brad Stevens and his ability to coach defense in the postseason, yes, he's had some some bad losses before, um, but they've gone deep into the postseason before. And yeah, there's, there's injury issues, but I, I still think Tatum um, is a player that I want in these types of big moments on the court. And you know, we've seen issues with Westbrook before in the postseason. So I, I do think Boston... Only getting minus two. You can even get them, I think, with minus one and a half at a couple other sports books right now. To me, that feels like close to pick them as possible uh, with a team that I feel is far more prepared for this moment. Okay, so if you're not considering the Washington Wizards as an underdog amongst the playing games, which teams are you considering for uh, under as underdogs currently right now for the playing games? Yeah, I, I think I'm looking at Charlotte because the Pacers have gone just 13 and 23 at home this year. They've been a really bad home team. Uh, There's some friction in dealing with their current situation with their head coach. Um, Charlotte hasn't been great down the stretch either, but I I imagine that's still trying to work in LaMelo ball a little bit. Um, But I I think they're excited for this opportunity. Like, I, I just think there's, there's so much excitement internally within that organization that they just haven't had that I think going up against a Pacers team that's, not pleased with their current situation and watching them fall further and further down the standings. Uh, it just kind of feels like they can win one game. And uh, I think that's a matchup that's certainly intriguing. I think you get them right now, maybe minus, uh, plus four, plus four and a half for Charlotte. Last time I checked, um, it's the same thing with San Antonio. Um, they've been <sighs> bad down the stretch. Like I, I, if I had to choose a straight up winner, like I still feel like Memphis has the the more talented team. And, and I love, I love watching Morant play, but it's, they still have pop on the bench and they're still getting <laughs> four, four and a yeah. half. Right. So yeah. uh, this might be one of those sneaky games that ends up being like down to the wire. And, and maybe somebody hits, you know, a shot with a few seconds left that I, I think the Spurs will, will compete in this game, even though okay. they really look bad down the stretch. So um, to me, I, I feel like it just might be a bit of an inflated line. I don't know if Memphis is that much better and, and they've had some issues down the stretch as well. So mm-hmm. I feel like I, I kind of like the underdogs a little bit in the, the games that people are less excited about uh, uh, with, okay. these, with these mm-hmm. nine, 10 matchups. But I, I think especially Charlotte, um, that's probably a play that I'm considering, no doubt. So barring any injury news, any COVID news or anything like that, do you expect any significant line movement before tip at all? Because we really haven't seen these type of playing games in the NBA before. So we don't really know how people are really going to end up betting these games. Do you expect them to move significantly line wise or really to stay fairly stable? I think they'll stay fairly stable just because I'm not sure really what injury news might be super significant. And and maybe I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. I was, like I said, I, 
you know, life has been a bit chaotic lately. We just uh, we just had a new baby, so I'm you know, I'm still playing catch up a little bit. But I, I can't sure. imagine, especially you know, when the lines were released and the fact that they really haven't moved a whole heck of a lot today, uh, even with some sharp money coming in. I just don't see these these lines taking off, um, you know, substantially. You know that like LeBron is back and he played the last couple of games and and that should be. Uh, totally fine. Like on, on the Boston side, there's not going to be a whole lot of movement there. I, I just have a hard time really trying to evaluate where injury news is going to make a substantial effect at the last minute. Maybe it does. and It's the NBA. Um, but I, I don't anticipate major, major movement at this point. So you wrote a piece on NBA futures that you were talking to us about. Um, any team that, that you think has good value for, for NBA champion or, and I know speaking specifically for your piece, what, what type of stuff did you recommend? And obviously where can people find it too? Yeah, they can go to si.com slash gambling. It's um, one of sort of the, the main articles that you'll find, not necessarily at the top right now, but uh, maybe in, in a little bit after the day is done for, for MLB bets. That's currently at the top of the page, but um you know, I, I don't necessarily think this is going to be that traditional year where it's the teams that everybody is expecting and anticipating to meet in the finals. Everybody's thinking it's going to be Brooklyn and the Lakers. And I get why it's certainly the matchup that the league and the TV networks want to see. Um, but I, I just I feel like in this type of year with as much movement as we've seen mm-hmm. and so much inconsistencies and injuries uh, with everything that I, I just don't think it's going to be that easy. Uh, you know, the Lakers still have to go and beat the Warriors. And then after, if they don't win that game, it's you know, a matchup against the 9-10. You know, LeBron is still going to have to get his legs in order. And he's going to have to play more games. Uh, that's not something that he wants to do. And they he got that championship last year. There's, there's I, I guess, for LeBron and company, going in this year, I don't really know what more he has to prove versus before you're trying to get that ring in LA to me. I, I just don't think the stakes are as high. So um, as far as, as futures that I like, I, I think the Clippers might have a chance to figure it out. Um, I like their consistency, especially down the stretch, both Kawhi and Paul George, uh, both had a true shooting percentage of over 60%. I like their odds at plus 500. I, I think that's, I think that's value considering that the spot that they're in the matchup against Dallas in the first round will be a challenging, but you know, they're minus 360 to win that series. So they'll advance, uh, barring you know, a pretty crazy outcome. Um, and then they played well against the Jazz this year. So they're going to be able to have a fairly more easy run, I think, through the Western Conference, even though they're a four seed. Um, you know, I, I like their draw a lot better than L.A., and I think they have the talent to be able to get through uh, and make it to the NBA Finals. Um, and then in the East... You know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee are, are two fairly compelling teams from a talent level, but they're going to have to play each other to likely face Philadelphia. You know, the, the 76ers have a nice route there. You know, they'll play the eventual eight seed and then they'll, they'll move through uh, the playoff bracket, I think, with relative ease, um, you know, likely playing the winner of the Knicks in Atlanta. Like, that's a series that Philadelphia can figure out. They have enough shooting. Uh, they've been a really good and efficient defensive team. The question is whether or not their their offense is going to only flow through Embiid in the postseason because they can't have. Uh. They got to make those outside shots. They have to be able to distribute. Simmons has to do a really good job in making sure that he doesn't turn the ball over uh, against good held defense. But they'll get through on a much easier level than I think Milwaukee or Brooklyn. 
and they'll be more rested heading into the Eastern Conference Finals. And they have Doc Rivers now on the bench instead of Brent Brown. So I, I like them at plus <laughs> 700, you know, um, regardless of, of who they end up facing. So I think from just from a value perspective, I, I'm more than likely to fade those trendy picks that everybody has been on since the beginning of the year with Brooklyn okay. and the Lakers, just because they, they feel like public plays. They've been all throughout the public over the course of the year. I, I think this is a weird year and you might see a team like the Clippers that we thought was going to be that team last year, eventually figure it out as a better, um, more efficient team this season. So yeah, I, I think it could be a bit of a surprise uh, compared to what most, most people may anticipate. Okay, I'm, I'm, we're gonna. Ooh, you, you spicing up the, the NBA playoffs here? Talk about the Clippers potentially going to the Western Conference Finals, NBA Finals. That, I like that's it. Pretty, I like it too, Ben. I like it. Okay, <laughs> let's make it happen. So, uh, what I want to ask is a person. I'm a guy who particularly likes to bet prop bets. So, player yeah. props, same game parlay. I've gotten into those as of late recently. Haven't been fairly successful, maybe one off sometimes. And it's kind of frustrating, neither here or there. <laughs> However, what would you recommend for a person like me that's going to to approach the uh, player props as we head into the postseason? Lean under. You have, you know, I, I, I think a good rule of thumb in general is to lean under when it comes to player prop bets. But especially with all these games being island games, and all, all, all the eyeballs on them now. Uh, you're going to see a tendency for odds makers to have a bit of an inflated line, knowing that the public is likely to bet over. Um, people are expecting a lot of points. That The reality is that that doesn't typically happen in the postseason. You're going to slow things down. You have more half-court offense. Um, so I, I think a lot of those unders are, are going to be in play. Um, and don't get discouraged too if like you, you hit on some unders and then you, you miss on a bunch and you know games going to overtime and it completely screws it up. Like that's just going to happen. Uh, but consistently over time, uh, a lot of these underplays in the NBA postseason tend to work itself out. Um, and I think I would just sort of tread lightly, at least initially, um, once these playoffs begin, uh, knowing that things are going to flip flop a lot and you're going to be dealing with crowds. You know, there's Utah, for example, has 71 percent. Um, attendance capacity. That's going to make a difference compared to yeah. some teams that only have, you know, 14% or 11%. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think for now, unders would probably be the, the way that I would go. Again, if you find a line that you really like, you know, jump on it. Um, but I think that's sort of where I had initially leaned. You want to get that urge because it's never fun to bet the under. But uh, I think in this particular situation, it tends to be a bit more profitable. Fun question here. Did you place an MVP vet and who was it and are you going to be successful? <laughs> I did not place an MVP bet, unfortunately. Um, I I wanted to when, you know, Phoenix was just cruising along and I thought, okay, like maybe I can back up my, my uh, son's 80 to one bet uh, with a Chris <laughs> Paul moonshot if he gets them to the number one seed and, you know, all of a sudden Jokic breaks his back or something like that, then maybe Paul had a chance to slip in. But I did not bet uh, an MVP bet this year, sadly enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Heisler of Sports Illustrated Gambling and Fantasy. Tell the folks where they can find your work, Ben. Yeah, Zach, you can uh, find me on Twitter. I am at Benny Heist. You can follow me on Instagram there as well. Uh, also at Sports Illustrated Fantasy and Gambling, uh, we are at si.com gambling and si.com slash fantasy. So plenty of hoops coverage 
Got a ton of NFL content over the offseason right now. Michael Fabiano has been doing some amazing work. Uh, if you're into fantasy baseball, Sean Childs uh, has gotten some incredible projections. He's one of the best fantasy players in the world. Uh, and I will tell you, too, that uh, our lead gambling insider, Frankie Tadeo, uh, has not only gotten it right with the Kentucky Derby, but he also nailed uh, a Preakness bet as well. So uh, if you're looking wow. to get in on the, on the ponies a little bit, uh, I would contend <laughs> that there is not a better horse racing analyst that has gotten as much right uh, as one Frankie today. He's got an outstanding formula that's been great. It's been really working well. And we've been having a lot of fun since uh, the ponies the last couple of weeks have been very profitable for you know, all yeah. of our members. So, yeah, you can find that over at SI.com. All right, there you have it, folks. Ben Heiser dropping all the gems for every opportunity to make a buck or two here on Points in the Pain. We appreciate you, Ben. Appreciate you guys. Anytime. All right, we want to appreciate Ben Heiser for coming on. Good guy. Always good picks. Love oh, yeah. And hey. loved about the Knicks, too. There you go. Yes, Knicks. sir. The Knicks. Hey, he said it, right? He said it. He said do it early on. And it happened. It is so crazy. I bet he didn't, you know, he didn't probably expect, you know, Julius Randle to have this type of season. But, you know, for the Knicks to be where they are, kudos, man. And shout out to uh, Ben Hodgson for coming on the podcast with us. Yeah, a great call. Um, all right, let's talk about what NBA Twitter is talking about this week. What it do, baby? Yeah. Uh, the big one that has been going around after the game, after the Lakers played their final season game, regular season game. LeBron came out and said that he thinks Steph should be the MVP this season. And you just said lies. Lies. On that. And lies, I agree. Lies, lies. Team Jokic all the way. Lies. There's no way. <laughs> I, I agree. Horrible. I don't know. I, like, I, I love the way Steph's been playing. Yeah. But Jokic is on another level. He is. The whole season, right? And they're, what, third, if I'm not mistaken, in the West to finish? Yep. And he's leading the league in what PER, probably win shares, you know, all the all the extra stats that you, you know, want to that you need to validate yourself as the MVP. You know, he's played yep. the most games. Uh, he's averaging nearly a triple double. Yep. You know, he's his second guy. He's has been able to he's come out due to injury. And so now you have a situation where he's elevated his game and have commanded the troops of his, you know, around him to elevate their game as well. And so when you see all of that, you know, you have to say at the end of the day that Nikola Jokic is this year's MVP. So right. you're going to get that doughy interview that you've been dying <laughs> to have the so last excited. two seasons. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for his speech. It is going to be the speech to end all speeches. <laughs> Don't know what he's going to be talking about, but I yeah. am so excited for him to be given his MVP speech. And I know this comes up every year with the MVP talk about people saying, well, how do you define most valuable player? Right. And I, and I think you could make the argument that Steph is more valuable to his team than Jokic by, by a little bit. And you look at the numbers because you look how bad Golden State is when Steph is not even just on the court, okay. not playing the game. And it is horrendous. Just, oh, I think they're like a minus 40, minus 35. Like it is really, really bad. And I'm sure the Nuggets without Jokic is relatively similar. But it, you could make the argument that Steph is much more important to his team's success than Jokic is at least this year. But the stats that Jokic has put up, he has played too. The stat that I saw about Jokic, which was incredible, he has played 903 more minutes than Joel Embiid this season, and I think that just almost seals it right there. I mean, he's durable. He hasn't missed a game. The guy just does not get Iron hurt, Man. or he just yeah. plays. It's incredible, and that's been the whole problem with Embiid 
throughout his whole career is that he has suffered injuries and he's had long periods where he has had to be out. And this was the year so far that he seems like he's putting it together and he's going to be a force in the playoffs. There is no doubt about that. But Embiid has been great all season long. And he's been available. And availability is half the battle at this point for him. Yeah, it is. You know, Nikola Jokic definitely has been there, you know, this whole time for the Denver Nuggets without question. And I and I told you that that's the number one thing for me, you know, with this MVP talk, this MVP yeah. conversation is have you been available to your team? And have you in with other guys being out on your team, how how much of a production have you raised for yourself for your team to be in winnable situations. I think Nikola Jokic has done that. I think Damian Lillard has done that. I think CP3 should finish top three in the voting. He sees Chris yeah. Paul should finish top three in MVP voting. Yes, he should, because they are a top three seed in the West. Monty Williams probably should be coach of the year. We This is going back two seasons ago when the sun stunk, and I don't even think they won 20 games. And over the yeah. course of the last two years, with the addition of Chris Paul and, the, you know, obviously the Devin Booker being able to elevate his game offensively at the, at the young age he is. Obviously, Monty Williams getting this team to know what winning is all about and setting this team up for success for the future, being the number two seed in the West. Monty Williams got to be coach of the year. LeBron is showing too much gamemanship with this MVP talk. He's trying to soften up that uh, that game against the Warriors where he yeah. needs to double down and say, I should have been MVP despite missing 25 games. <laughs> so I really like that. That's what he probably should have said. But unfortunately, he's showing some gamemanship. And, you know, that's how it's going to be going into Wednesday. Yeah, Steph is a scoring champ, too. So you do have that going for him. But it would be it would be fun to increase the rivalry there. And LeBron just come out and say, oh, absolutely. Jokic deserves MVP. Steph, nah, doesn't deserve MVP. (laughs) And then just see him going at it uh, on Wednesday night. Finally, what NBA Twitter talking about, which is incredibly fun because it is really fun to see an NBA player get involved in betting in a non-illegal way. <laughs> because yeah, what happened say was... Say that, though. Emphasize on it. Not illegal. It's not illegal. <laughs> not illegal. Because a fan tweeted at Dame Lillard saying that he had bet that the Blazers would win at least 42 games that season, and he said he had bet his house on it and that he needed Dame to come through for him. And what did Dame say? He just tweeted at him, say less. <laughs> say less. And then what happened? Say less. <laughs> so what happened too? So that was in April. That was mid-April. And then the Blazers go on, they lose five or the next six or something like that. They go on a bit of a losing streak. And then their last 12 games of the season, Dame comes through. They win 10 of their last 12 last game of the season. Blazers <laughs> win that 42nd game. So that fan is going to be happy. He's not going to be homeless yep. at all. And he no. came on, I think he said he won like $200, $300 or something. So he didn't literally bet his house, but it was fun to see Dame interact with the guy. Yeah, yeah. I, at first, I was a little skeptical of whether, whether or not this guy was really in trouble or not in terms of his house. I was kind of worried, like, man, you you didn't reach out to an NBA player at this point. Like, that's how desperate it's gotten. But to find out that it wasn't, you know, that much amount of money, you know, that says a lot. But, you know, if you're going to gamble, I will say this, gamble responsibly, okay? You know, yes. gamble, gamble responsibly. You know, this is a podcast where we talk about betting and everything, but make sure you gamble responsibly. Yeah, do not uh, literally bet your house. But... <laughs> Again, if you're going to bet a large amount of money, betting on Dame Lillard, not the worst idea. It's not. And it comes not. through. Dame Dollar, baby. <laughs> Dame Dollar. That's going to conclude, buddy, this edition of Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium I Am. 
Zach Badger House. That was my main man, Ben Wittenstein. We appreciate Ben Heiser for coming on and joining us from Sports Illustrated Betting. And you can find all his work on his uh, Twitter page. Make sure you listen to Eddie and Felder from Trash and Treasure. You know what? I should also say, I should say too, we could add this as a segment to the podcast. Uh You have two records behind you and they're new every single week. Mm-hmm. So what are the re- what are the two records you have this week behind you? Oh, I'm ooh, I'm what, what what are they? What are behind you? The two oh, oh the two records. Oh, Mac Miller and Big Crit. <laughs> there you go. Because you had what you had Michael Jackson, I think, a couple weeks ago. Yep, Michael Jackson last week. It was some Al Green. So I may switch it up every once in a while. So yeah, I like that you caught that. You slick. <laughs> yeah, listen, you you got to change up the background a little bit. I just have that picture of Michael Jordan behind me. For, hey, that's just a goaded picture. That's <laughs> it. That's it. But I like the I like the switching of the uh, of the record labels behind you and the record covers. Pretty good. It's a good oh, switch yeah. up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, that'll conclude this edition of the Points of the Pay podcast. Make sure you subscribe on wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. You'll hear from us next week. Peace.